Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. This is Six Degrees of Schwarzenegger, the podcast where we take a long, hard look at some of our favorite action movies from the era of Arnold. <laughs> Schwarzenegger is the icon of the genre, and we're taking a deep dive into some of these 80s and 90s cult action movies and breaking them all the way down. Some folks say that Willie Green was the baddest motherfucker the world ever seen, but I want you to hold on to your seat Glad to be back from my little hiatus. Uh, all I'll say is a one-year-old will take a lot of uh, wear and tear out of you. <laughs> How's that family life, Mike? Man, uh, it, I love my family, but buddy, I, I need my sleep. That's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> so we're here. You know, I was kind of surprised. I got the I got the message from Mike that he wanted to jump back in the saddle. He had a movie he wanted us to talk about. And I was not prepared when he told me what it was. Yeah, I was, so I was a little hesitant to even mention this because I didn't know if this would be in your wheelhouse. But I'm glad that you you seem to enjoy it. Oh, dude, I'll watch anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to we're going to do Dolomite. Dude, I had never seen this movie before. Yeah, this is. I, so I had seen this movie like way back in the day because I think it was kind of like a was part of, of your childhood. Well, not a part of my childhood, but it was definitely like a rite of passage, you know, in college to see this movie. OK, kind of like drinking your first 40. Like Were you, you born s- when this came out? 75. So, yeah, I was four years old when it came okay, out. You're a little. little I was. Young. Yeah. So it was definitely. And you know, I don't, for everybody out there who's seen this movie, you can understand why four year old probably <laughs> shouldn't watch this. <laughs> but uh, so it was a little bit before your my mom time. Take you to the midnight screening? Did not take me to the midnight screen, but I'm sure there was a four-year-old there. I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah, dude, this movie was wild, man. I mean, 1975, like Vietnam had just ended, but you have movies coming out like Godfather and early Scorsese flicks, and yeah. like whatever The Exorcist. It was the golden age of like those good, good movies. With yeah, yeah. The, mm-hmm. Artistic, know? a lot of artistic flair. But then you also had a lot of the like the grindhouse type. Movies. Absolutely, and and it was a big era for black exploitation films. Yeah, which I, you know, I'm not. This obviously who was the black in, stars before these movies, or were there even black stars? Oh, I'm sure there were, but like like Sidney Poitier, or Sidney, yeah, as a you know James Earl Jones, maybe. Uh, I, I don't even know if James Earl Jones was a huge star at that point because yeah. you know he did Star Wars, obviously, like a mm-hmm. couple years after this, but he wasn't on like camera. Raising in the Sun and stuff like that? Or what's the one with the boxer, Great White Hope, he had yeah, done that. Yeah. So this is like a huge uh, start to black exploitation films, like the like late 60s, early 70s, and there was like Shaft and Sweet... Uh, oh, Sweet Back? Back, yeah. yeah all, the, all those movies, uh, uh, Superfly, all these movies came out around yeah, that same yeah. time. Uh, so before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about the star of this film, Rudy Ray Moore, who is an icon in the in the comedy legends? Who I don't think gets enough due. But he was like a jack of all trades. Like he's true. A, he's a musician and a comedian and an actor and but a writer. You know, but I don't think people think. I think people only think of him as Dolomite as the actor. Mm-hmm. Like 
I don't really think of him as a stand-up comedian, which is where he started his whole shtick, right? And the, the thing about Rudy Moore, he was born in 1927, right? So he's around the same age as he's Mike. Like the son of a sharecropper? Yeah, uh, in Arkansas. And like you said, he was a jack of all trades. He was a preacher, which I, I can, didn't know that. Well, but I can kind of see it with his. <laughs> he's like, a showman. Yeah, his showman, like a, his sermon type way of he delivers his his rhymes. He can and really speeches. control a room, yeah, like when he's mm-hmm, speaking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he. Um, joined the army like in the fifties where I think this is where he kind of started his entertainment industry. Okay. Cause he was like an, he used to sing and dance for some of the members of his uh, army corps. Uh, they also, they named him the Harlem hillbilly cause of the way he say it like in a country twang, I guess. He never really came off as country to me, but we're from down South. So we're probably maybe just used to it. Yeah. We're used to it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So after he left the army, he moved to Seattle, Washington. And then from there, he went to Los Angeles, where he continued to work in clubs. And he was discovered by a record producer named Dotsie Williams. He was doing a show. He was up on stage. And I think, guess one of the acts was really late or something like that. Mm-hmm. So somebody out in the audience told him to tell a joke. And so that's how Rudy, Ramore, Rudy Ray Moore became a comedian. Like he stood up there and told a joke okay. and he loved doing that. And he just continued to do that. But he wasn't having a lot, of, a lot of success. You know, he was still doing his comedy, but then he would be like a dishwasher or. Right. He's just working like these low end jobs. We should mention there's a movie that's kind of new on Netflix starring Eddie Murphy called Dolomite is my name. This gives a great look into what his life was like yeah. before, during. You know, before and then during the production of all the Dolomite era stuff. Yeah, they do a really good job. Yeah, they, I don't know how well, accurate it is, but I'm going to take it that it's pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say they do a really good job, and I have no idea like if they're telling the truth or not. <laughs> but it's a it's a hell of a good movie. So yeah, yeah. Everybody yeah. should check that out. An amazing cast in it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so here's how Dolomite came about. So he's you know he's doing his comedy at night, not really catching on. He's working at this record store during the day, and in this record store there is like a, I guess an old wino used to come in there named Rico, who would always uh-huh. tell like these kind of like back end stories of this guy named Dolomite. It's almost like tall tales, right? Yeah, exactly. Like he'd come in, probably ask for a couple of dollars and, you know, uh-huh. like, oh, you know, there's this, this Dolomite character. You might hear like in the barbershop and stuff like that. Yeah, like, I can see that. Guys talking, sh- talking shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, I, you know, I grew up in the barbershop. I never remember anybody just telling tall tales like that, but, uh-huh. I, but I can see it. I, I, yeah. I can understand it. Um, so uh, Rudy Ray Moore saw that everybody really enjoyed these Dolomite stories, right? Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, and light bulb came on. He's like, oh, maybe I should start doing something with Dolomite. Yeah. And he basically, long story short, took this character of Dolomite and incorporated it into his comedy act where he basically became Dolomite. He's a pimp. He's a ladies man. He's hustler. Like the toughest motherfucker, you know? Yeah, like yeah. Badass motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's kind of like a, like almost like a black James Bond or something. I like can that. see that. Yeah. But I, I guess Rudy Ray Moore saw that everybody really enjoyed these stories and was mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, like, I think he was like, well, he was if, doing well on the stand up circuit. Well, yeah. He's like, if this wino can make people laugh <laughs> with this, think what a, uh, uh, real like yeah performer can do with it so this is how dolomite came about and then he was doing albums as dolomite yep. that were underground hits and then i think like he got a, a record deal he's just telling me like his really blue jokes <laughs> uh like i mean they're crazy stories they always rhymed it mm-hmm. seemed like but it would be about dolomite escaping from that titanic or or like stuff going down in the jungle just like, just like, like outlandish that, yeah. like over the top stories Wild about like stories. the black hero i think he released one album i think it was uh 
eat out more often. Uh, uh-huh. Correct me if I'm wrong about raunchy that. Raunchy title. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and a raunchy but album I, I cover think if you that, want to find that. Exactly. I think that album reached like the top 25 on Bill, on the Billboard yeah. charts, right? So he yeah. had a success. So he knew that this character was a success. Then I think he did a Christmas album and he did some more albums. Did some more like stuff, yeah. yeah. Um, but he wanted more. And he realized that the way that he's going to blow up as it became more famous was that he was going to have to make a movie that I think that's the charm of this movie is this guy basically started out from nowhere. And despite of his talent level, you can dispute that, right? You can say, well, well, uh-huh. he was a great comedian or he wasn't a great comedian or he was a great actor or he wasn't. And if you say he was, then there's something wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> but this guy is the American dream, right? He Absolutely. he was like, I want to create something, and he did it. The movie's got like so much energy and so much like it feels so raw. Like I compare it to a Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something mm-hmm. like Clerks, where you can just tell it's a the you can feel the passion of the people making it like within the movie, and it feels it feels like something you're not supposed to be seeing. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it feels like something that shouldn't have ever been able to be made. I feel like with Dolomite, he literally was like knocked on his next door neighbors and say, Hey, you want to be in my movie? No, it has that Netflix movie. Like he was going to strip clubs to like, yeah, yeah. Girls. He he would find people on the street. Like, Hey, can you be in my movie? Right. And so it's got that kind of like charm to it. I love that, man. I love movies like this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like just, I mean, it's a terrible movie, but it's also great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you believe the Netflix movie, like he sort of put all of his own money into making the movie and the movie was just made in like guerrilla fashion. Like (laughs) the cast and crew were just friends or they were film students. Yeah. They took over an old abandoned hotel and made it into the sets. Like Rudy Ray Moore stayed at a hotel somewhere and for free. Like it was a crack house basically. Or something like that. In the movie, at least it was like a crack house and he offered to... I'll clear out all the crackheads if you let me yep. use it as my sets for my movie. Exactly. <laughs> or no, I think he lived there as like he the, did live the, there. the landlord the, or something like that. He stayed there because yeah. he had to give up his apartment. Exactly. And so they let him, uh, he, so he filmed the, the, the movie there. Right. Into sets. And, I, and I think the funny part is like when you see movies, when you, like if you see a movie, right. And I don't care what level, let's say Blair Witch Project, right? Sure. So I, I forget the exact amount of money that Blair Witch was made, but it was very cheaply made. It was right? under a hundred thousand. Yeah, something like yeah, let's say it was so. made for ninety thousand dollars, right? Sure. But in your mind, what you see is a movie, so you automatically think, "Oh, this movie was made for ten uh, ten million dollars," and uh-huh. like all these people are rich and famous and everything like that. No, that's not what it's all. That's not what the movie industry is about at all. It's about people who have passion for telling stories, uh-huh. and they by any means necessary, get that story out there. And this is what Rudy Ray Moore did. Let it be a lesson of like passion can take you a long way. Exactly. Like he found a way to get this movie made. Right. So yeah, that was basically the birth of Dolomite or the, how this movie was made. I mean, he went on to make a couple of sequels to this, but yeah, I saw that. And maybe we'll get into that later. You said uh, you had a story about the director of photography as well. Yeah. So the, um, this is another cool thing about the um, movie is the director of photography. His name was Nicholas Joseph von Sternberg. And he was a kid that's like fresh out of film school trying to just make his okay. first film, right? And turns out his dad was like this really famous film director from like the 20s and 30s okay. and 40s named Joseph von Sternberg. So I, I guess I bring it up to, you, you know, this is called Six Degrees of Schwarzenegger, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Rudy Moore- Dolomite to like these classic Exactly, yeah. exactly. Like you would have never thought that 
Rudy Ray Moore making Dolomite would have gotten the son of Joseph von Sternberg to be his director of photography for this film. And now you see it being sort of remade with Eddie Murphy and Wesley Snipes and Chris Rock mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Mike Epps in the movie, like yep. an amazing cast of of actors. Exactly. So he, yeah, you you plant the seed, and this is where it is, is called yeah, to. It works backwards in time, forwards in time. Yeah. I'm not sure what else. I know that I think I'm pretty sure Nicholas von Sternberg direct or photographed all of the other um, Dolomite movies. Oh, yeah? And I think he even did Petey Wheatstraw. Um, Which was another uh, Rudy Ray Moore I, it, Rudy, I, I, So it was Rudy Ray Moore, but it wasn't Dolomite. Right, so, right, But right. it was still in that another same... Another exploitation. Yeah, still in that same vein of, yeah. In the Netflix movie, it's kind of cool because you this just a group of young, like, white dudes walk into the hotel and everyone's like, who are these guys? And they're like, oh, these are a bunch of UCLA film students mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, when you had the main guy, the, the director of photography mm-hmm. and then all the other guys. And I think they were there basically because they would work for nothing. Almost, or, yeah, you know close what I mean? to nothing. Like, yeah. They just wanted to make a movie. Exactly. All right. So we probably want to talk about the movie, I guess. Yeah, let's get <laughs> let's actually get into let's this movie. Right. So uh, the movie starts off with. Um, Dolomite being released from jail. Uh-huh. Um, so he's sitting in a jail cell in the, you know, it's like playing solitaire. He's solitaire. Yeah. He's playing a card <laughs> game with somebody and, um, uh, officer comes along and is like, Hey, you know, the warden wants to speak to you. Uh, he, and of course I forget what he says, but he, he said, what is that rat soup? What the hell does that rat soup eating motherfucker and want with me? There is your entire movie. Like it is established like scene oh, one. A right? lot of Dolomite's character revolves around rat soup. <laughs> um, so uh, he goes and he talks to the warden and the warden basically tells him that there's a bunch of like gang activity out in the streets. Right. And uh-huh, it's and uh-huh. his nephew was killed. His nephew, yeah. little Jimmy, was killed. Uh, so Queen B is there. Queen Qu- B is there. Who what is the relationship between Queen B and Dolomite? So they don't they're not lovers. They're not lovers. Yeah. So Dolomite is basically a pimp. Right. Mm-hmm. And she is like his madam? madam of the house. Right. Okay, so that's so she their, runs all the hoes. Yeah, she she. So that's what. Yeah, that's what a relationship. Words can I say on this? Podcast? I believe you can say hoe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think girl fan anybody not, with okay. that. Okay. Um, More interestingly, what's the relationship between Queen Bee and the Warden? Oh, I don't. <laughs> they seem like. Oh, you know my friend Queen Bee. Like, how are they friends? I think he comes to the brothel. <laughs> Probably <laughs> in in this world, I'm sure yeah. he does. Yeah, but um. We should talk about the scene, the flashback where Dolomite gets arrested. So uh, they do a flashback where you can see like these cops pull up, right? And we, uh-huh. we they're waiting for Dolomite to come out. Yeah, and, I, and we're just assuming they're cops, right? But we later found out they're bad cops. They're cor- corrupt. Yeah. So uh, Dolomite walks out of the house in like this, <laughs> just pimping outfit, right? Fully. Like yeah. black and white pimped outfit got the hat to match yeah he's coming out of his house which is like a very nice house yes it's so like in, a, in a swanky neighborhood so this is how we established that that dolomite was set up and uh the cops are basically harassing him and like hey you know let's pop your trunk because we need to see what's in there uh-huh. he opens up his trunk and there's like these furs in there which i always thought was because the, the warden says well you were sitting here for furs and then like drugs. half a million dollars in drugs yeah. like well, why the furs? Like, isn't a half a million dollars of drugs <laughs> right? enough? But I would think so. Yeah. So basically, it, it looks like Dolomite's getting set up right by these crooked cops, and Dolomite's not even having having it right. Then he's he like, starts to fight him. Karate, not just fighting him, not like just some punching. Kung Fu shit. <laughs> he starts 
karate. <laughs> like, and I, I, I'm not, I don't know what kind of karate. I think he's kicking as high as he can, which he, is like waist high. Yeah. So they start the karate gut. fighting these guys, right? Out of <laughs> no, like you would, there is no reason you would think this guy knows karate, right? Nah. And Except karate flicks were very popular big. at the and time. That's yeah. the charm of this movie because he knew that. Uh-huh. Rudy Ray Moore knew that. And he was like, you know what? I want karate in my movie. So the, when like uh, Shaft or somebody fights, was it just more like a brawl, like yeah. punching guys? Yeah. It wasn't kicks. And, exactly. Okay. Like, it, it always it's always funny to me, like in these vamp- vampire films, like how all the vampires know karate. You're talking like, about like Blade or something? Yeah. Like how, do, <laughs> how do all these vampires know karate? <laughs> I mean, I guess they're they've lived long enough to figure it out. But still. Um, but yeah, he just starts karate kicking these dudes. Right. He kicks one. He like throws one over his shoulder. He throws one in the trunk. He kicks one into the trunk. And then they they overpower him eventually. And they arrest him. And that's but, when that boy's like, ah, oh, we got you now, boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, yeah. He said, I got your boy. I got your boy hanging. You no business born insecure junk jawed motherfucker. And Kevin, your delivery of that line was 10 times better than Rudy Ray Moore's. <laughs> yeah, he says lines like this where he's just like this long string of insults uh-huh. to people, like almost kind of rhyming. It makes me laugh so much. Yeah. It's like the best cut down. Exactly. Like, what did There's that no dude just back say? From that <laughs> like, you. somebody called me a rat soup eating motherfucker. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, don't, I, don't, I have nothing. I'm done, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah, so they cut back to. Uh, the warden's office and uh-huh. Queen Bee. Oh wait, they do show the police go That's over true. the car and Willie Green's in there. That's true. Although we don't know quite who he is yet. Yes. So, but you can but tell. It was a setup. But you can tell it was a setup, right? Because yeah. they, I forget yeah. how they worded, but he's yeah. like, "Yeah, well, we got him, right?" Right. So we, I guess we should talk a little bit about Willie Green, right? So Willie Green was played by Derville Martin. Also the director of the movie. Also the director of the movie, and Derville Martin famously only did this because he wanted a director's credit. So uh-huh. he had... He did this movie and one other movie called Disco 9000 mm-hmm. that he directed. But this was his first one. Yeah. So, yep. but Derville was already an actor, right? And he was like, I wouldn't say he was an established actor. He was in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Yeah. And he was the guy that Spencer Tracy backed his car into. And okay. he was the young kid in that car. And then he was also in Rosemary's Baby. And he's also in Rosemary's Baby as the elevator guy, right? Yeah. So... He was doing like these He's mainstream big, movies, films. exactly. But now, but he wasn't like the lead. He was like you know, you know, guy on bench. Like he was like that uh-huh. character in and all these movies. He did a whole bunch of black exploitation, and he did a whole bunch of black exploitation well. stuff. I right? saw like Black Caesar and Hell Up in Harlem, mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of other ones mm-hmm. with with titles that I can't say. No, I, I don't need anything. I can say them. <laughs> but um, according to the Netflix special, uh-huh. they saw uh, him in a club and they approached he him. He was in as, the titty bar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, they approached him and it's like, well, hey, you know, do you want to be in our movie? And he was like, ah, hell, like, nah. hell no. Yeah, like, like I've been in Rosemary's Baby. Like, like you why can't would talk it, to me. Yeah, why would I be in this piece of shit movie that you guys are having? And they're like, oh, you can direct it too. And he's like, mm, sign me up. Right? <laughs> but um, so, And if you believe the movie, he also thought just as they were making it that it was a piece of shit. Yeah, he he, like he didn't really care that he, much. He really only did this for the director's credit, right? And he, he had, died young. 40, he had died of a heart attack at like 45. 45 yeah. That sucks. Um, he famously wouldn't show up to set. He famously drank while he was on set. Um, <laughs> you, it, and it shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the reason I say that is because a lot of this film, it seems like they used like the first take, yeah, right? I can see it. Uh, like, I, And I was always like, well, why wouldn't you just do that again. Like the Netflix movie gives you a glimpse, right? Like the film was so valuable to them. True. 
that yeah. they couldn't afford to waste. You had all. to get it right. If you, if you got the lines out, we're going to use it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure, I, obviously, obviously, that played a part. But yeah. some things, I'm there. They. I don't know. It just it seems like they <laughs> it was a combination of both a combination of let's just get this, say that line and let's get through it. And we don't have enough money to get it more film, which, you know, funny enough, like today with digital, that wouldn't be an issue. Right. Or it'd be yeah, as yeah, big an issue. Record over it. Exactly. Or whatever. Yeah. Oh, and here's a, I saw this one thing about Derville Martin. Apparently he is the one that created the word biatch. Really? Yeah, I I don't know what movie he did it, <laughs> but I always thought that was I thought that was interesting. You could tell like, so I didn't grow up watching these movies, but you can tell like when you see them that they inspired people like Eddie Murphy or like Absolutely. Snoop, Snoop Dogg and stuff Absolutely. like that. These videos, early like rappers, early, early yeah. rappers and stuff in the music videos, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, so uh, we go back to the warden's office. Dolomite finds out that his nephew's killed. Now, th- to me, this is interesting because well, and the warden um, basically said like. Queen Bee's been telling me for years that you're innocent and And I'm 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 prone to believe believe you because since you've gone in jail, things have gotten worse in your neighborhood. Mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm. there's been more crime and people selling guns and drugs to kids and all this and the violence like little Jimmy getting killed. Yeah. Yeah. And this is uh, this is Dolmite's nephew. And so they do like another flashback. Now, this is, again, two flashbacks in the first opening scene. Right. And and two like different tosses to the flashback. Yeah. It was like a hard cut. Mm -hmm. And the other one was like that wavy like Mm -hmm. transition like. <laughs> and it cuts to little Jimmy getting killed. But then when they showed Dolomite getting framed up, it was just like a hard cut to a flashback. This movie was not like there was a whole there was not a whole lot of consistency to the way it was constructed. But the the funny to me, the funny part was they literally when they do that hard cut, they show it's almost like little Jimmy gets shot, but he's out of frame and they do like this drive by. Yeah. So you don't it even really, yeah. you, if they hadn't have told you what that was, you would be like, what the hell just happened? Right. You wouldn't have no idea what happened in the scene. And queen bee has like this line. And again, this is had to be first take. <laughs> like, I don't know if they took droplets of water and put it on her eyes. Was she crying? She's crying in the scene, <laughs> but it's like, it's just so fake. Like she's crying, but like she's almost smiling when she says a line. When they're talking about little Jimmy. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I'm just so happy that you're out of jail or something like that. (laughs) And so, uh, uh, so they basically, they let, uh, Dolomite out of jail. Yeah. The idea is like, we need you to go out here, Dolomite in the streets and figure out what's really going on. Yeah. Find out where these guns and, and these, this violence is right. They say like, Oh, don't trust anybody. But there's also going to be a secret FBI agent that will turn up. Oh, did they time. say that then? Yeah, they said oh, like, I didn't when hear the that. time is right, he'll reveal himself. Oh, yeah. I, so I didn't catch that part, but okay, yeah. that makes a lot of sense because <laughs> he did come out of nowhere, right? Absolutely. Uh, so then we do like the uh, opening credits where the song. He had uh, a theme song, of course. Yeah, which is based, was uh, I think done by Ben Chapman, like which, you know, is a friend of. Ruder A. Moore's and he's like, hey, can you do the theme song for my, and it sounds it's a lot a like, song. yeah, and it sounds a lot like a Shaft song, like he's a lot of, he's bad and all that stuff mm-hmm. like that. There's just that one frame that pops up like the Dolomite Girls and it was like 13 different different ladies. <laughs> <laughs> it's like none of them even have names, they're just the Dolomite Girls. I love that. And, and you, so you look it up. It on looks a, like the opening credits to like uh, when you were watching Grindhouse or some of these Tarantino movies. Yeah, like, it does, yeah. He's inspired by that, the same similar type of font. Exactly. And the color, I think it was like bright yellow. That yellow like color, that, yeah. yeah. Um, also, which when I was looking at it on IMDb, I couldn't find who Chicago was, which she was a, like a major character she in this a, film. If your character has a name, you should have a credit. And not but only yeah, just absolutely. a name, she but she had a like credit. a lot to do with the plot of the film. Like, and I was surprised uh-huh. that I couldn't find who she was. So, if anybody out there knows 
which Dolomite girl was Chicago? I'd love to know that because I I thought she was actually really good. You yeah, know? there was some there was some talent in the movie for sure. Yeah, there was a lot of passion. Yeah. So Dolomite's let out of jail. <laughs> He's picked up in a, in a limo. Limo's waiting for him. Bunch yeah, of, bunch of hot women. Bunch of a girl. A bunch of his girls are are picking him up, and he decides to just change whatever prison clothes he has because he's been <laughs> he's in him out in sort of a raggedy suit. But it looked like a suit that he had went in with. It wasn't like uh, prison garb. I mean, it wasn't like no, a it prison. It looked like a pimp suit, but it was, I guess, the one he went in two years ago. So Maybe, he didn't like yeah. that. So they he wanted to change. Not in the car. He changes like right out there on the street, right? And one of the one <laughs> of the funniest one of the funniest lines <laughs> is one of his girls in the car hands him uh, some drawers. Right? It's like, bitch, you know I don't wear cotton drawers. <laughs> it's like, I mean, he just establishes himself. He's like, I don't want to get in my car with this shit. On yeah, yeah. When he comes out, he's like, I'm glad you brought my clothes for me. Yeah. And it is a very like flashy suit. So now he's in the car and he's making out with his girls. Uh-huh. And the driver notices that they're being followed. Right? Yeah. How is there someone following them already? Uh, did he, he got a get out that yeah, they were there was out? a tip okay i'm sure willie green probably knew i noticed like how immediately they were on him oh, yeah, yeah it was an awkward sex scene they were having in the car <sighs> he's like sucking on them titties <laughs> like the girls are just sort of kissing his chest yeah it was, was two of them yeah you know you're right it was it was but, an, uh, the whole movie's full of those yeah it was a weird sex scene yeah but <laughs> um so anyway, so they're driving on the street and you can see like these gangsters in a car and they're waiting for him and they're waiting for him to drive yeah. by and he drives by and they're like, oh, there's, there it is. There's Dolomite. Let's go get him. Right. Make sure he's dead. Right. As he's driving, this is where like the kind of James Bond-esque part of it comes out because his driver notices that the guys are tailing him. Yeah. So she's like, oh, hey, we're being tailed. Rudy's like, hey, hand me my piece. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's got like a sub machine gun in his yeah, car, right? He doesn't pull over. And uh, so he jumps out, runs into the to the woods, and then they pull up a little bit ahead of him. And so then the gangsters come up and they're like, where's Dolomite? <laughs> and they're like, what are you talking about? He's Dolomite? not in here. He's not yeah. in here, right? What are, we don't know what you're talking about. Uh, Dolomite walks up behind the guys and then blasts them. Yeah, I think he probably said some shit to him. And yeah, he, yeah, he said something. So then he, uh, he, for, so for the rest of this thing, he says something to everybody, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so then he uh, has this one uh, gangster kind of to himself. And this guy, I think, was an actor. The one he made him dance? Yeah, the one he made dance. This guy was an actor because <laughs> the, the, the look on his face, like the scared look on his face, like, oh, I want to get this guy to dance now. So he starts shooting his feet like, feet like a Western, uh-huh. makes him dance, and he just blows him away. But here's the funny part, and I don't know if you know notice this he's not dead right he kind of like he says help me almost like yeah. almost like a <laughs> will ferrell in this in the i'm not just oh, in dead Austin in Austin Powers. <laughs> i'm not dead yet yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm only hurt right he's like help me and uh one of uh, dolomite girls is like oh i got this dolomite and she takes out a switchblade so I, I saw this twice she unzips his pants i think she cuts I his, hear, you hear a zipper yeah you hear a zipper i think she cuts his dick off right <laughs> or she cuts it and he bleeds death or whatever right that's this movie folks right it's awesome they'll do anything yeah now they wind up back at i can't tell if it's supposed to be dolomite's house or it's like a brothel or what but it's dolomite and queen bee and like a whole bunch of women and some of them are naked and queen bees basically give them the breakdown uh what had happened while he was oh while he was away yeah so in a nutshell uh dolomite finds out that one of his girls pinky left, pinky pinky yvonne actually uh, she left and she went to go work with Willie Green and Willie Green took over his club. Yeah. So 
you know, obviously Dolomite's not having any of this. Yeah, Queen Bee said sort of she had to sell the club. She had to give up everything just to keep the keep the group together. Yeah, and also they're basically broke because they've been they've been extorted by these two cops, Mitchell and White. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Like the, over the two years that they've been out, like uh, up to like Police five thousand dollars a month or something. They said they were shaking them down, and then Willie Green, they owe him fifty thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this he is- says we should like. You should go talk to the creeper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And see what lead he might have. For exactly. Him. The and wait, the creeper, honestly, to me, was one of the best characters. The better in, performances. Yeah, in the, in the whole movie. He probably was high. Because he was, he was probably for, for real. So now this is where the movie starts to get. This weird movie starts to get oh, really weird to me. Yes. Are you uh, talking about karate school? No, no, no. Cause I think that's later. I want to. Well, where Queen Bee says, oh, yeah. all this money putting all the girls through karate school. Yeah. And then yeah. there's a weird flashback of them beating up this dude named Joe Blow. True. Yeah. Like, he, kicking he, his ass. He's, he's got like, a great monologue. He's like, like, bitch, you should be paying. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, I ain't paying you. <laughs> he's like, I'm yeah. not paying you anything. You and should so, pay me. Yeah. So then she <laughs> kicks him out. Yeah. And they beat him up. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. There's a lot of craziness in this movie. There's a lot of scenes that they cut to, like a lot of cut scenes back to like a memory and it's like it just kind of comes out of nowhere you can't tell if it's a flashback or not. yeah it's like you know it's like what happened so what were you thinking about though what craziness so the plot? it's this it's not so much craziness in the plot is craziness in the technicality of the movie okay because after that scene where they basically queen bee and Dolomite get up and are like okay let's go figure out, you know, what we're going to do next. Right. Mm -hmm. So then they cut to a short scene of, and it should have been like the introduction scene of Willie green, but they cut to this short scene of, uh, Willie Green getting out of a car and you can see he has his henchman with him and he goes into like this massage parlor Yeah, and (laughs) like, the the lady, her name is Flo, who runs the massage parlor. She's like, oh, hey, we're going to hang out tonight. He's like, oh, hell no, nah, I, I ain't got time for all that, right? And <laughs> then she's she, yelling she at him. She yells at him like this, uh, this monologue about how black men don't like black women or something like that. This is, was she black, Flo? I couldn't tell. Yeah, she was, yeah. Okay. She was... Californian black, you know, kind of light skin. <laughs> okay. Um, Willie, Willie Green, I, I guess he's come there to she pick up. She does go on like a race. It's kind of a racial race. Yeah, it's, it's just out of, it kind of just come out, comes out of nowhere. Like they, I think they had these ideas and they wanted to put it in the movie and it didn't matter if it made sense or not. They yeah. were just like, I'm going to. There's no flow to it. Yeah, I'm just going to put this idea right. And this is where it's going to fit, right? So Willie Green, he starts, you know, going to the back of his, I guess this is his massage parlor. Uh huh. It's like going door to door. Yeah, I guess he's there to collect money. It's never really established, and this is <laughs> this is the issue I have with like this next couple of scenes because uh-huh. everything doesn't make sense to me. It it in a in a one scene it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense in a bigger picture, right? Yeah, it has nothing to do with the movie. Yeah, nothing to do with the movie. So he he walks through his massage parlor, and he's th- you know there's you know girls that are naked. To and me, it's weird also that each door is like just wide open. open. Yeah, like he's looking at each door, and like there's kind of various like scandalous shit going on. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, he's not kicking these doors in. It's no, very it's open. Yeah, it's very open. So like these two girls are giving this one guy a massage. Uh, that's what you call it. Yeah, <laughs> with, with, with a happy with a happy ending under the towel. Oh, they were definitely under the towel. <laughs> and you know the thing about this movie that probably really happened, right? <laughs> 
um, there was a girl, there was a guy smoking a cigar in like a sauna and he's getting a blowjob yeah, from a yeah. girl. Uh, there was no weird, like, I really thought this would have been a kind of funny scene where you walk in one room and like some guy's tied up and he's getting whipped, but yeah. they, there wasn't that. They just had a bunch of people getting massages. Right. So, so no, this is where it's weird. <laughs> then it just cuts to Dolomite. Then it just cuts to Dolomite. And he's with another woman who we'd never even seen before. Yeah. I'm not sh- I didn't think that was Chicago. No, it's not. I didn't think it was. And it's not. But it would make sense if it was. You it know? might be one of the other Dolomite girls. It's just a it's just a it's just a random scene of Dolomite making out with a girl. So then I like about this movie. There's a whole lot of like mediocre bodies in the movie, you know, like it may like it's not like everyone's not shredded up and and muscular and stuff. It's like, oh, definitely Dolomite. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone. I mean, or Willie Green or like the the, some of the women, some of the dudes in the massage parlor, like everyone just looks like they're they're real people. Yeah. I know you're saying actors and people with trainers. I know what you're saying. Well, I, I figure a lot of those girls were probably. Dancers. Some of the girls did have it going on. Well, so I, I imagine they were like in real life. In the Netflix movie, that's where he found the yeah, ladies. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I imagine they were willing like, to get naked. Yeah, I imagine okay, they were really could. dancers. So they yeah. probably had the the better bodies. The women were much more attractive. Yeah, than the men, dudes. They just they just like, hey man, you want to be in this movie? <laughs> uh, so having said that, we're gonna cut it right there. We're gonna pick this up in part two. Yeah, it's just too much movie for one episode. Everybody, I, we'll be back next week with uh, more to talk about Dolomite because uh, there's a lot to talk yeah about. and this and this is the the part that we're going to come up is probably the most there's a scene in this probably the most famous scene <laughs> of this whole movie so right. yeah you stay you got to come back and listen to part two all right we'll be back